Good morning, New community. It is so good to gather. Um, I think some of us are used to coming every Sunday and is just reminded as we were just singing together, it is so good to gather, isn't it? Um, I, I have the joy of uh, inviting a couple people up today who will be sharing their story. So as I kind of um, set up up here, I invite um, the four of you to come up. Um, but as they settle in, I just wanted to share that yesterday I had the joy of gathering with 20 other people in this congregation for a solitude retreat. For you, if you participating in your fist pump, we're going to woo, <laughs> are out there. Uh, these are the beautiful people who participate in that. Um, and I would just wanted to, uh, sell, I, I, it was a joy to meet together. We were there for nine to four um, at, you know, in Mundelein, Illinois. Um, but one of the things I was reminded about me yesterday was our diverse body. Um, and I mean that because, um, you know, people, we shared a little bit in the beginning. We had a lot of solitude, and then we shared a little bit at the end. But uh, some people shared about how they received this wonderful revelation. And some people shared, like, I don't have any particular revelation at all, but I, I enjoyed my time. Uh, some people shared being really nervous about being sitting in the wilderness for hours. And some people were like, I'm born to do this kind of thing. Um, some people, some, one, one person really brought back um, a bag of dirt and explained the biological significance of that bag of dirt and then the uh, spiritual implications of that. And then some people brought back nothing. <laughs> um, and just reminded and celebrating the diversity of our people, but also celebrating the diversity of our God who meets us as we are into the different places that we are um, and the delights in that, right? And not just like, a, okay, well, I'll meet you here in your bag of dirt. But no, it's like, I delight in the way that we all uh, function and we're formed differently. Um, but today, uh, we were continuing our conversation about solitude, silence, Sabbath, stillness, all of that. But this will be our last, from I believe, I'm pretty sure this is true, uh, this will be our very last one. Um, and there will not be preaching today, but there will be a, a way for the four beautiful people up here to express how they have embodied the preaching of these words uh, of silence, solitude, um, silence, you know, those S's. Um, and uh, I'm excited to introduce them in just a minute, but I do, I do feel like I'd be remiss here if, because I'm the interim small group coordinator, if I didn't give a one-minute spiel about our upcoming small groups um, this fall. So if you've seen in your bulletin, you see this huge uh, coming soon thing, and it's true, and starting next week, I'll share more. But uh, I just want to connect um, what the fall holds for us and what we've been doing this summer. So if you, if you have paid attention to the title of the sermon series, it's called Sacred Rhythms, Arranging Our Lives for... Anyone? No one paid attention. Okay, spiritual formation. <laughs> That's what the title's been, Sacred Rhythms, Arranging Our Lives for Spiritual, um, spiritual Formation. And so uh, I just want to remind us that I'm excited to share more starting next week, but this stuff that we're talking about, solitude, um, Henry Nouwen uses this phrase saying, solitude is the furnace of transformation. That's a huge different picture than like sitting on the beach with a pina colada, right? The furnace transformation of being solitude, but this idea that solitude, silence, all that stuff propels us to a different place, right? Solitude isn't meant to be kind of like, okay, I experienced this amazing thing with God. I had this retreat yesterday. Hallelujah. Let me just go settle into my own life and do my own thing. But it always, solitude always has a power to move us to a different place. It moves us to community. It moves us into being in ministry. It moves us to be able to 
to be at peace in the messy middle. Um, and so I'm really excited for what, how uh, this fall will be able to, what it holds, but the joy for me is also being able to see how we can do this together in community. And we'll be sharing more about this. We'll be sharing about how groups will be relaunching as life groups, and there'll be new, um, new life groups if you notice a little bit, we're not going to call small groups anymore, we're called life groups, and we'll share more about what that means. But I just wanted to kind of let you guys know that, give it a heads up, and we'll be starting to share some more information starting next week. Um, so yeah, let me just transition to a time. Uh, I have four wonderful people up here, and I'm going to have them kind of share briefly about who they are, their names, and how long they've been part of our Newcom family. Hello. I am Shana Wildermuth, and I've been at Newcom around four and a half years. Good morning. Um, I'm Constance Irvins. I've been at Newcom about two and a half years, and I'm on our staff here, and I've been on staff since September. I'm Josh Lobbs, and I've been at Newcom for about nine years now. I'm Pradeep Nair. I, let's see. I think this fall will be 11 years. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, all four of you, uh, thank you for sharing. Um, we've been talking for the whole summer about silence, solitude, being alone with God, right? Allowing that time to, um, to speak into us. Um, all those S's, right? Have those always been a part of your church experience? If you went to church growing up, has it been part of your spiritual background? Has it been part of your discipleship process? Do you mind just sharing a little bit about how that's been a part of your background, whether it's before the sermon series, and just sharing a little bit about, and perhaps if it was new at some point, how did you discover these ancient practices? So um, this for me feels brand new and very uh, counterintuitive. So uh, as far as my discipleship, I grew up in church um, for as long as I can remember. And of any of these terms, the only one I heard about was Sabbath, and it didn't look anything like how I understand it now. Um, and I've been able to reflect on this recently because um, something that I realized a couple weeks ago, really, was just that I've always understood and internalized the call to be more like Jesus, as be more perfect like Jesus was perfect. And that has permeated my decision-making, my thinking, um, how I spend my time, um, how I see myself. And so, um, and of course that's not healthy. <laughs> and so um, I've had the chance now to begin to understand more of Jesus's humanity and the call to be like Jesus in terms of uh, practicing discipleship and the ways that he's modeled it. So as I've been um, learning more about these practices, I kind of stumbled into it at first. Um, and it happened earlier this year when I was just all prayed out. Um, I didn't have words left to say. I didn't have clarity or understanding to be able to engage um, what I was experiencing in life. So I just remember laying in my living room floor, feeling unproductive, and imagining myself at the feet of God. And afterwards, it felt so refreshing and then to start to come into Newcom and um, Peter started preaching about these four, these four areas. And I was like, oh, that's, that's what that was. And to begin to internalize and understand like how significant it was to be able to practice those things. Yeah. Uh, for me, I did grow up going to church, but it was a very uh, conservative and rules-based church. So we practiced the no work on Sunday rule. 
but it wasn't, it didn't feel like a spiritual thing. We were farmers. It actually felt more like a begrudging, we have to take a day off. I was really excited about it because I didn't have to work that day. Um, but it didn't feel like a delight in God day. It was more like a waste of time till we could get to the real work. Um, for me, these practices started around 10 years ago. I'm in full-time ministry, and at the time, I was incredibly burnt out and um, had been growing increasingly suicidal. And as a result, moved to uh, South Carolina to get to some sig significant help from an older couple who were in their 60s at the time. And they were the most healthy people I had ever met in my life. And they gave their lives to people in a really significant way, including rescuing people from death like me. And one of the things I noticed in their life is they had rhythms of silence, solitude, Sabbath, stillness. And I had never seen anything like it, um, but began to practice that in my life because I was struggling with a lot mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and became part of my life then. So I grew up in the Lutheran church and um, kind of Catholicism light, I guess, just a lot of, um, you know, liturgy and it's, it's the catechism and all that. And um, I don't think that there was really that um, uh, focus on the relational aspect as much um, with God and the Spirit and really taking that time. So I actually didn't um, come into, you know, my, my stillness practices on silence and solitude until just recently, a couple years ago. My, uh, my company actually sponsored um, a, uh, it's called the Insight Institute, I think. It's um, MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. And it's a secular program that um, is based in science and the, the science of um, uh, meditation and yoga and mindfulness practices actually being stress-reducing and calming. Um, so I kind of internalized that and learned the practices, and it was an eight-week course, and we were supposed to practice, you know, 45 minutes a day, actually. And uh, But I, what I did was I took that, and I made that um, uh, like a silence and solitude practice um, from a faith-based standpoint, and um, that, that was really transformational for me. Um, for, so, so for me, um, I, so I didn't grow up in the U.S., I grew up in India, and one of the, one of the things that I, I was told as I was growing up is that it is important to take time. Um, and, and that aspect of trying to take that time and trying to find that time on a daily basis was, was something that's just kind of been ingrained in me. And I think... I've had to come a really long way with that because there have been moments of when you don't do it, I feel guilty. And I don't think, I don't think that's what the point of all of this is. It's, it's not to get to a place where you feel guilty, but Asian guilt's real. So, um, so that's, that's kind of been where it started, but uh, where it ended up and where it is right now is a, is a completely different place um, from where it started, but more to come on that. Thanks everyone for sharing. Um, I think one, I've already used the word wonderful and incredible for this group of people. And I wanna use one more adjective I forgot to mention is ordinary. Um, these are four people who are like 
invited to share, but also hesitant to share <laughs> because of their, their, their ordinary experience. And ordinary people, um, from what I know, struggle. And so my question for you, if this is kind of a funny place to start, but can you tell us about how these disciplines of solitude, of resting, of being away with God, um, how are these, why are these disciplines so hard? Why are they challenging? Tell us a little bit about that, if they're challenging to you. And um, if you struggled with it, just share a little about your journey. Because I feel like as you guys are sharing the, your background, we're starting to get a, unfolding your journey with these practices. So I'll talk about Sabbath first. Um, so I, I work in corporate, and I, and I have been for some years now. Prior to that, I was getting a master's. And there was this time when several of us were put into a group on a consulting project. And it was, we were really fortunate to be there. We were really excited about it. And we were spending some time at the beginning saying, what are the things that we are willing to commit to as we go into this project? So as we're going around talking within ourselves and agreeing on these different pieces, uh, one of the things that someone said was, we need to commit to responding to emails very quickly, like within a few hours or so. And everybody agreed to that. And then they came around to me and there's, so there's this thing that I try really hard to avoid, and I try to avoid talking to people about what I do on weekends. Um, because I've had responses at work like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry you had to go to church, um, and, and stuff like that. And so it just, it just makes for a really awkward conversation with coworkers, so I try to avoid those moments. And then I said, hey guys, just, uh, just an FYI for my own sanity, I try to take a day or so over the weekend where I just don't check work email and where I just don't do anything from a work perspective. And I was trying to just word it really quick and get away from that conversation and then the immediate reaction was, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but I did say that I would, I would commit to being present for the rest of that time and I mean, just again, personally for me, that's just something I had resolved to do as I was praying and thinking through what my life ended up looking like and that, and that, that aspect of rest. And so um, it ended up being totally fine. Uh, I never missed anything. I never felt like I felt behind. And I, I don't know, I just, I thank, I thank God for that, but I'd really try, like I just dread ever having to have those conversations. And I pray that they don't happen, but sometimes they do. There was this other time where we were in a crisis mode at work and I was going in at six in the morning and coming back around 11.30 or 12 at night. And it was happening for, for weeks on end. And I was convinced that this crisis was my fault. And I even, like I fessed up to it. And I said, I think this is my fault. And after a long time now, we realized it, it wasn't. But at that moment, um, we were just putting in hours and hours and hours, like easily 70, 80 hours a week. And, on a, and then I was trying to figure out like, what do I do about this, this time that I've, I've tried to set aside? And I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna take it and trust that God will work things out. And then my boss was like, at two o'clock on Saturday, like, can you come in at noon tomorrow? And I was like, um, I'll, I'll be in at two. And she goes, yeah, but I'm gonna get here at noon. I was wondering if you can come in at noon. And I was like, I was wondering if I could come in at two instead. And then I kind of had to like mention something to her and she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to get in the way of stuff. And then 
I thought, man, like I'm like straight up losing my job now as a result of this because it just feels like I'm not showing up. And then later on that week, I think, um, she was having a conversation with me and she's like, hey, just so you know, like there's no way we're going to fire you because if we fire you, there's no way we're going to figure out how to fix this problem. <laughs> and, and, and I remember that and I just remember just being like, um, yeah, I don't know. Thank you, Lord. Um, I, I, was trying, I was trying to be faithful in the midst of this and yeah, I just feel like in the moments, and there have been very few moments that this has had to come up, but when you're in an environment where everybody is working all the time and nonstop, it's weird to, to have this, this time where you step away. And I just remember both of these moments of where um, I just felt affirmed by God, even though the step I was taking was weird. Um, so for me, a lot of it boils down to personality type and I am like the epitome of the achiever and if you guys are into Enneagram, I know Peter's like Enneagram, whatever, um, number three. But, uh, <laughs> um, but that's, it's been that way for pretty much my whole life and a lot of it is based on interest for me. I have just vast interests in a lot of different things. It drives my wife Heidi nuts because I have more hobbies than you can count and a lot of them are expensive. So. <laughs> um, but I love finishing things and accomplishing things and doing things. So for me, it's, it, it brings enjoyment to be doing stuff. So it's a real challenge for me to forcibly step back and make that space and that time, um, not just on a daily basis, but just in life. I'm always over committing to being on boards and part of organizations and stuff like that. And I think that's a real gift that I've been given is um, leadership and um, that sort of thing. But I, I also think that that comes with responsibility um, that I'm sort of just learning in the last few years. So. Challenges, right? Um, yeah, you know what? As I've been learning to, to practice this, the challenge for me has been um, evaluating why I give anything my time. I've started to take stock of where I allocate my time in all parts of life and um, figuring out how can I reprioritize what gets time and what doesn't. Um, it's so easy. It'd be so much easier to just keep going as I was or to just say I'll just wake up a little bit earlier and fit this in. Um, but it's really pushed me to to challenge that because as I'm noticing the way that perfectionism has permeated a lot of what I do, sometimes the reason that solitude time feels um, unproductive is because I could be doing something else to get my life together is what it feels like. And so I've had to really reconsider um, how, I, how I spend my time. Um, one thing I'll say though is that it's been worth it. So if I look at the challenges, but also look at God's response. Whenever I make a date with God and I keep my end of the date, God is there and he shows up and it's nurturing in some way, um, whether there's a big revelation or there's not, it's been um, meaningful and impactful. And so it's worth the pushing through the challenge for me. Yeah. They are all challenging for me. Um, I am someone that has lots of passions and um, work with people. And I think one of the things that makes it challenging is I love to be available to people who are hurting and people who um, need someone to listen to, and especially being in ministry. 
it's kind of what I do. Um, but I think I can fall into um, thinking that I am the savior um, instead of knowing that Jesus is the savior and that there's other people available and I don't have to always be available. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Peter said, um, when you are too accessible to people, you exhaust your soul. And I felt that um, because I can be too available to people um, and that can take away from practicing silence and solitude and stillness. And I can remember early on in ministry, I had someone, actually I've heard this multiple times, um, at least you will be someone who burns out, not rusts out. And that's a terrible phrase because it is basically saying, good for you, you're gonna die by overworking. And if you rest, you're lazy. And I think on a deep level, I took that in and I'm like, yep, I'm gonna burn out. I have come close to burning out one with like my life one time and a second time, and it's scary. Don't, don't live by that. Another one was my dad would say when I was a kid, if you don't work, you don't eat. And there was a sense of that being true on the farm. And so they're just ingrained in me to go, go, go. Um, I think stillness of the four might be the hardest for me because it's very unproductive. <laughs> like stillness, what is that? Um, it's hard. Um, but I think that when I'm still, I have to deal with all the things that I haven't dealt with. And a lot of times there are things like unanswered questions, um, losses that need grieved, longings that are unmet, um, hurt that's still raw. And stillness has a way of all of those just flooding in, and who wants that? <laughs> like, but I also think that when I sit there in God's presence and something that I'm seeking to practice is he meets me there with his presence and reminds me that he's there, and he will um, work through those things with me, and it's worth doing. Um, noise, crowding those things out for a long time will catch up with you. And so it's worth being still in God's presence. Um, yeah, so he can meet you in those things. Thanks for sharing. As you're sharing, all of four of you are sharing, I, the word that came to me was interruption, that these practices interrupt something. Like Pradeep, I heard you kind of saying it interrupt your social relationships with people at work, but also your rhythm of work. Josh, I kind of heard you share about interrupting the way you go about your activities and even your mindset toward what kind of activities fill your life. Um, Constance, I heard you kind of share about how it, interrupt it interrupts how you go about your time. Um, and Shana, kind of you share a couple things, but interrupting like how you do ministry, like I'm not the savior, and also God interrupting your thoughts that could just be running. Um, that's powerful. Um, my next question for you is, in these practices, what has been life-giving? And by life-giving, I don't mean like feels great and easy, but perhaps life-giving can be something that's been uh, difficult. Um, what about these practices? What brush practice has been most life-giving for you? And if you'd be willing to share, has there been any kind of catalytic moment for you and, and helping you practice or to seek these practices out? Um, Josh, I'll have you share first. Yeah, so um, I think stillness is the big one for me and just um, not just from like a daily um, like a daily practice, but from more of a macro level. And uh, I got a, one of the life, most life-changing moments of my life was um, a few years ago, um, uh, 
there came to a point in my marriage with Heidi where, um, well, backtracking a little bit, the first five years of our marriage were really difficult. Um, and a lot of that was, quite frankly, due to my own selfishness and um, my overcommitment to a lot of different things and my lack of presence to her in our marriage. Um, and that kind of came to a head one night. And um, uh, prior to this, I had kind of asked God to sort of take control and um, that I liked my life the way it was sinfully and selfishly, but I needed, but I also wanted to be closer to God. And I, I wanted to live a life that had him at the forefront. So he answered that prayer. <laughs> and it, it was tough. It was really, really, really hard. Um, and it came to a certain moment one night where basically Heidi said, you need to get your act together or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. Um, I'll go find an apartment until you can figure stuff out. Um, and, um, and that, at that moment, the spirit really stepped in and basically, um, was fighting against what was inside me. And I was so, um, uh, like just self-loathing and down on myself that I started hitting myself in the face and I hit myself so hard that I knocked myself out of the chair that I was sitting in and ended up having a seizure on the floor. And I believe, I believe that it was a, like a, a spiritual attack. Um, I wound up um, uh, just shaking on the floor and Heidi jumped on top of me and she's, something spoke to her in her mind of um, call Pradeep. And um, I'll let him tell his side of the story because they kind of go together. But um, that moment for me was um, uh, pretty transformational and just in terms of my macro level busyness and stillness. Um, and since then, it's been a real um, sort of always in the back of my mind as, as I'm getting involved with new things or learning new things, like how do I, how do I balance that? Because I, that's sort of my benchmark now is I don't want to go back to that. So. Thanks for sharing, Josh. Like that's um, where I come from, like this stuff is not shared in church, even though people go through it. And I think this is what I've really loved about Newcom is that like the brokenness is real and, and we get to share that with each other. Um, yeah, and I, it's just provided a new way of, like it's, it's shown me a new way of being able to live the Christian life. I'm just really grateful for that. So in, in an effort for us to try and stop and slow down a little bit, um, Laura and I were, Laura's my wife, um, Laura and I were working on, Laura and I were working on trying to slow down. And so one of the things we were doing is saying, okay, so maybe like at nine o'clock at night, we just kind of stop and then just take some time to spend in quiet and, and take some time to, to pray and just spend with God, prioritize God and put him there because the day's busy as it is, we're kind of tired when we come in at, 
in the evening. So like maybe, yeah, so we're just gonna try and use that nine o'clock time and yeah, so we had that practice and that practice, truthfully, to speak the whole story, that practice is not something we're the best at right now, but at that moment in time, we were watching TV and nine o'clock rolled around and we turned the TV off and I kid you not, because I remember looking at the timestamp, at 9.01 was when the text came through from Heidi or Josh. And, and really, like at that time, we weren't that close. Um, and we didn't know that we were even gonna be up here to, to, today really until probably like over the last week and a half. And we talked about this this morning as we were like putting the story together and we're like, wow, this truly was a God thing, so thank God for that. And that's when that text came through and we both got in the car and drove over to their house and we're praying on the way and we're like, it's no coincidence that this was the time that we had been practicing to set aside and it's no coincidence that the text or whatever comes through at that point in time. And also, um, you know, Heidi and I had served on a ministry, but we weren't like, we didn't hang out that much either at that time. So. Man, like when the spirit moves, the spirit really moves. So thank God for that. And truly, like when Josh said the, the spirit was there that night, like the, the Holy Spirit was there that night and, and different people came around Josh and Heidi and truly like, like the transformation that's happened since then has been so encouraging. And we all go through that. Um, we all go through those low points. Like I, mine was this past week, but Thank God that we get to go through them at different points in time and the church family comes around and prays us through it. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, for me, the one that is most life-giving is Sabbath because I think that it's just a longer period of time that I can... Um, really unwind and really come to a more place of rest. And two years ago, I took a sabbatical, which some of you know what that is because Pastor Peter's taken them, but a longer period of time um, to rest, to um, do some reflection and thinking about what's next. And it's kind of like a uh, Sabbath on steroids. Um, but my job for two months was to rest. And I had no idea how to do that. And I hated it because I just was like, there's things I want to do. There's things, even though I was very burnt out. Um, but part of it was I just didn't know how to rest. I didn't know how to take time. And when I think of Sabbath, Sabbath is to rest. And so um, at the beginning of that time, there was a verse that was really powerful. That's Isaiah 30, 15 through 18. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But at the beginning, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance, another version says, in returning, and rest is your salvation, and in quietness and trust is your strength, um, but you would have none of it. And then the next verses kind of talk about how they ran away from that, and what happened is they became very vulnerable in battle. Um, and God responds by saying, I long to be gracious to you. I rise to show you compassion. I am a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait from him, on him. And I would just remember thinking, I remember God saying, you can run from this. 
and you're going to be really vulnerable. And I already felt pretty vulnerable. I just was getting to a place mentally, emotionally, spiritually that was not good. And so I just remember spending a lot of time thinking about what is, how is rest my salvation? To me, it didn't go together. Um, how is quietness and trust my strength? And I would say when I learn to quiet myself, it has become my strength. Um, God becomes my strength, and I live out of that instead of out of my own propelling things forward, my own doing um, and working. And so personally, I love Sabbath, lengths of time where I rest. Um, a friend of mine one time said, Shana, when you are rested, you are up for anything. And I thought, he's right. When I am a rested person, I live by faith and not by sight. I take the risks God asked me to do and um, God does powerful things in me and through me when I'm rested. And so I've kind of lived by that. Like when I am rested, I'm up for anything God asks me to do. Um, I would say as I'm early on learning to practice this, the life-giving things I've experienced are just understanding the gifts that are waiting when I keep my date with God. Um, those moments are times when I really begin to understand more intimately that I'm his beloved child um, and that he cares for like every area of our lives. Um, and also things like forgiveness towards myself, forgiveness towards other people, um, things that have just been waiting to be released and to flow out, um, understanding about the value of our community and, and how to continue to pour in. Um, those things have been life-giving just in, in small moments. I think I'm kind of like um, st struck right now because we've been talking about how all you embody these practices, but I feel like 80% of the time we've been talking about how God's been showing up <laughs> in your lives and doing something, and maybe 20%, maybe less about how you're actually practicing these things. I just want to point that out because I feel like that's, that is the heart of the practice, right? That we, when we make ourselves available to God in these simple ways, it's whatever percent God's showing up. Um, it's powerful. So thanks for sharing your stories. Um, that being said, I would like to get just a little bit, just an understanding of how this looks practically in your lives. What is the weekly or monthly rhythm look like when these practices are lived out for you? Um, I know you don't do these perfectly, but how does this kind of look like for you? So um, I think I really have to pay attention to what season I'm in. Um, I call myself a reset person, which means every so often I just have to hit the reset button. And that for me is often weekly, where I just, Sunday afternoons I take a little bit of time and think through um, what worked well, what didn't last week, and hit the reset button and not don't beat myself up for what I didn't do, um, but seek to have a rhythm for the next week that seems um, doable. And I think in, you have to pay attention to what season you are in. Um, I am unmarried. I don't have children. So I have some freedom and flexibility that I realize some of you do not have. Um, I also currently am starting a new job where I'm in charge of my own schedule. And so I can put these things in. So I just want to say that in a way of freedom. Don't um, take maybe some of my principles, but maybe don't do exactly what I do unless your life is well, your life isn't exactly like mine. Um, so things that I do um, 
in the mornings, I'm a morning person, so I like to practice stillness and um, silence in the morning. And I just started this actually during the series of not even having my Bible or journal um, for probably 10 minutes in the morning where I'm just with God, um, my cup of coffee on my balcony, and just imagine him there with me in his presence and believing he delights in my presence and I delight in his. So I do that every morning, um, even when I'm tempted to move on too fast. Um, on Saturdays, I try to Sabbath, but if I'm honest, that probably happens at most twice a month um, because that's when everything happens is on Saturdays. I currently have the flexibility to think I'm going to make that a different day of the week because I'm going through a lot of transition and I can tell that my soul is needing more time with the Lord and I have the freedom. And so I think I'm going to start Sabbathing um, on a different day. Uh, and then the last thing is I regularly, um, those who know me well, put my phone on airplane mode and put it somewhere for two hours. Uh, and it just, that choosing to be unavailable is really important for me. Um, it's choosing to say for one, two hours, and I probably do that every day, sometimes multiple times a day if possible, when, I, when my soul is like, um, being exhausted by the demands of being available to others. So those are practical things I do. Yeah, um, I don't have it down yet. I'm not into a good rhythm at all, but there are a lot of things that I've been trying and some similar to what Shana shared. Um, one with regard to disconnecting uh, and just letting it be okay to put my phone somewhere and not care about where it's at. Um, because with these changes feeling so counterintuitive, it's so easy to just escape, um, to just hop on social media and just distract myself from, from being intentional about how I'm spending quiet time or how I'm spending alone time. So I've been intentional about noticing where I'm trying to escape um, from engaging in the things that God has invited me to engage in. Um, the other thing is that I've been trying to protect my Mondays, so Mondays are an off day for me. So being careful about what I'm scheduling, what I'm saying yes to or what I'm saying no to and giving myself permission to say no more often um, and not feel guilty for that. Um, similar to what Shannon shared also, it's, I, I like to be able to be available and to be present with people, um, but just really understanding and embracing that unless I am well, I can't be fully present with others. And so the best gift I can give or the best way I can serve other people is to make sure that I'm well enough to be present with them. Um, so yeah. Um, I think for me, like it, it, a lot of it started too when I just asked God, like teach me the practices that I don't know about. Like we call these ancient practices. And at one point, soon after the night that um, Pradeep and Laura came over to, uh, to pray over us, for whatever reason, I was led to pray, dear God, teach me ancient practices that um, could get me closer to you. And I, I don't know why I prayed that. Who prays that? That's weird. <laughs> um, but since then, some pretty miraculous things have happened. And um, so I keep praying that prayer. Um, and teach me to be able to be close to you. Teach me things that I don't know that can get me closer to you. Um, so that's a constant prayer. And then practically, I think, um, I was un or 
freelancing, full-time freelance for the last year and a half. And um, one of the things that I liked to do was um, uh, make a list of the six things that I wanted to do the next day before I started reacting to things. And I'd always put the first thing on my list is to pray and just be silent. Um, so I'd give that time to God. I'd go into my office at our, in our condo and um, just sit there and just be quiet, shut everything off, and just pray. And that, was it, that really helped me too with the whole achievement portion of what I struggle with um, in um, giving to God my business, the, the things that I was doing from a work standpoint. And I just became recently full-time employed. Crazy stories about all of that, so I'll, I'll share that with you if you want at some point. But um, that's something that I'd like to continue with that, even through full-time employment and being more stable, is just really giving um, that time to God. And then as far as Sabbath goes, just spending more time with family um, and really just taking the lesson I learned through that one major turning point and just sort of... Um, using that as that benchmark to really just kind of figure out where I'm at with, um, with Sabbath and taking that time and just um, really spending time with God. So, so at the beginning, I, I talked about this aspect of, of feeling guilty. And so today, my practices look different. And, and when I'm not, and if I miss a day, um, I, I don't feel guilty about it because... I, I'm trying to work to incorporate God into my day-to-day -day life irrespective of where I am or irrespective of whether it's nine o'clock or, or something like that. So um, I usually end up sp um, spending time reading the Bible on my commute in the morning and praying and, and texting uh, Matt Tauby, who's my prayer partner, and we just text prayers back and forth about um, just praying God over our day and over our interactions and that we would love him and that we would love other people. Also, um, solitude is very hard for me, um, I, and silence is very hard for me. I get energy from being with other people, so this last summer has been a lot of walking around the neighborhood um, at night just by myself and trying really hard not to text Ruth and Kenny when I walk by their house because we live a couple blocks away from each other, um, and they're good about ignoring them sometimes, so that's good too. And um, I think, I think what, what we've learned, and there was this aspect of like, what are you, what are you aiming for by these, by these practices? And to tie, that, to tie that all back, like when we do this together, when we do this together collectively, I, I feel like what I've seen is God speaking to people to have words for other people. So it's not, it might not just be for you. It might be you saying, God, I want to prioritize you, and then God responds by telling you to do something about something completely different and just being able to respond to that. Um, and we pray about being intertwined, and we pray about being um, a community that's, that's together. And so when that starts happening, I really feel like God starts telling you things about other people and giving you words to share with other people. Um, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, yesterday Laura spent um, the day um, at the Solitude Retreat, and I wasn't able to do that. This last week, like I mentioned earlier, this last week's been really, really difficult for me um, and for my family. There's just some very, very deep family stuff that's going on that, that 
as a family, we're all trying to figure out, and, and you guys, like my parents have been coming to this church on and off whenever they visit from India, so um, a lot of the people who've been at this church have seen them over time, so as, as we try to work through all of that and live into that where we're asking God for strength and for hope, and there are times when we're just like, I, I told Laura yesterday, like I just feel like God doesn't answer prayers when it comes to my family, and, and it's so disappointing, and Yesterday, Laura came back from the solitude retreat because God had just been putting a verse on her mind. And this verse was also on the minds of other people who were at the solitude retreat independently. And it comes from Psalm 27, which Psalm 27 was a chapter that God brought Laura and I to independently before we were even in a relationship. So like that just, that, that Psalm means a lot to both of us because it was, it was our, our Bible passage at our wedding. But this specific verse says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And this past week has been a lot of just like hopelessness. Like I, I don't think some of this stuff is ever going to be resolved. And Laura came back saying the, the words that stood out are the land of the living because it's on this side of heaven and that the goodness of the Lord will come through then even though we don't see it or feel it right now. So... So yeah, so like in the moments of hopelessness and in the moments where you kind of just feel like you're, you're at your lowest, that's where, um, that's where like I'm hoping that these practices really come through. Um, and that's where it seems like the Holy Spirit is moving because hearts just seem to be uniting uh, around same themes or same things and God seems to be responding. So yeah, thank God for that. Thank God for that, amen. Um, can we just give them a hand for just thank you for sharing? I want to do that just to also like give thanks to God, right? That you're able to be up here and to testify to what God is able to do in you. Um, and you guys can go ahead and back your seats. We're going to transition to a time of communion in just a minute. But um, as we do that, I just want to say that... Um, as you're just kind of sharing and talking about these things, the word that's been on my heart since the morning is the word vulnerable trust. Um, and that word is just, just sticking to me and I feel it's appropriate here as we kind of, um, and Kevin would mind coming up and Susie, you can come up too as you lead us in a time of communion. But the word vulnerable trust, like one thing that came up yesterday as we were talking at the solitude retreat, people are like, okay, we're gonna jump into like five hours of solitude. I'm excited and I'm also a little bit nervous. What, what if I show up and it's like boring, right? Um, or what if I show up and God doesn't answer these age-old answered prayers? Um, what if I show up and what if, what if, right? Um, and I just feel like the word is vulnerable trust as we kind of um, close our day today in a time of communion, as we invite ourselves, invite you to come to the table, to come to the table of God, it's this vulnerable trust. It's this like, I have nothing to offer you, God, but I'm just eating of your, of the bread and the blood of Christ, right? And trusting that even when I show up, whether with nothing or with everything, all my stuff, that God meets us where we are. Um, and as we just, as we close today, um, I just really want to invite you to try that today with this vulnerable trust that even when we show up, that whatever it is that God shows up, it is, that is the gift for that day. It may be magical. It may be three years down the road, God answering some of these prayers we pray today. Um, 
but to still come, and that God's invitation is just to come. Don't worry about the rest. Just come and trust that the, the, the yoke I have for you um, is different from the world. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come. Um, and I just also want to speak a word for any of us who have perhaps these practices that we haven't been practicing and, you know, the people I've been talking about, like how these have been tra transformative and helpful and in some ways preventative for the future. But some of us are just burnt out and, and that you are still welcome to the table, that you don't have to have practiced these things to come to the table, but to still come and to receive just as you are. Um, so I just want to invite you to do that today as we close out together as a community. And Susie's going to lead us in a time of communion. Um, and we just thank God that these practices don't begin with what we are able to bring to the table, but what God has already established at the table. And we give praise to God who is able to do all things in us.